Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Season Review pod. This is going to be the first half of the AI Scouted, lads, and of course it's Dave with me. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. It's almost like we've been podcasting together all day. So it's a bit, yes. of, it's a bit of a stupid <laughs> introduction, but hello. <laughs> um, right. So we try and keep these to about 20 minutes. So we'll try and shoot through this. Dave, you've obviously been podcasting pretty much every day, apart from the odd one off for of bank holidays and stuff. So you've kind of been answering this progressively throughout the, the days and weeks. But your overall thoughts on last season, because it, the last week of the season took a toll on many of us for, for many different reasons, as we'll probably come to throughout this pod. But as you look back at the whole season, it's a bit up and down, but I think you've mentioned before, it's it's definitely a positive one. Oh, without question. Like, the last week was was rough. We went into that final day hoping for Villa to do us a massive favour, but with no real expectation. It's just the fact that they did go 2-0 up that sort of gave us a bit of hope. But at the end of the day, City were always in control of their own fate. So we we shouldn't have been too downcast about that. Um, The Champions League final is the real sting here because we were the better team on the day. We are the better team. And we let ourselves down. You know, we lost to a team that if we played them 100 times, I think we'd beat them 85, 90 times. I genuinely think we're that, we're that much better than them. Um, they do have some mad, weird voodoo over the Champions League, which nobody can fully understand, but it is what it is. We, we lost that game, and we may just move on from it. But the season as a whole is a huge success. We won two Cups. We took a quadruple bid further than anyone had ever done we got to the last day of the Premier League season and and that's then where that came to an end and then obviously we had a treble bid going into that Champions League final and that came to an end there but second in the league Champions League final two cups you can't you can't say that's a bad season you're lying if you do you can say you're disappointed that's fine but nobody can say that that's a a bad season at all. It's a very, very, very good season. It, it, like, think of it this way. You're a couple of kicks of a football away from it being the greatest season anyone's ever had. Mm. 
you know, you're a couple of incident incidents of Aston Villa being shit defensively away from winning a league title. If, if Villa are just decent defensively, we win the league title. If we do what we normally do in front of goal in the Champions League final, if Thibaut, Thibaut Courtois doesn't pull off two of the best saves I've ever seen in my life, we're European Cup winners. So it is very fine margins. You can't say it's ending other than a very, very good season, though. Yeah, yeah, I think I came to the same conclusion on my, on my uh, part of the show as well. It was a tough week, but definitely favourable memories. But in terms of memories, I mean, what is there a match that sticks out for you for the right reasons? Um, the two against United. Yeah, I, I think the two against United are great because they they were just we were just so dominant in both of them. Like, I remember when they were so much better than us. But it never felt like going into a game like they were going to absolutely hammer us. There's a couple of heavy enough defeats over the years, but never anything like what we did to them this year. Like, they never came to Anfield and won 5-0. You know, Mm -hmm. the 4-0 at home as well. Like, the level of spanking that we gave them both times is, is fairly spectacular. Um, Leeds at home was, was really impressive. The six nil Leeds away early in the year was in, an incredible performance up until Harvey hurt his ankle up until that point. I mean, we were going to win that game five or six nil. We were hmm. absolutely tearing them apart. The injury saved them from a spanking. Um, the four nil over Arsenal the second leg of the League Cup over Arsenal because of all the excitement that Arsenal fans felt after they won the first leg nil-nil. There's a, there's been a lot of games. If I, was, if I was to pick one, I would probably go United away because just to go there and do that to them with Mo getting the hat-trick, with Naby being unbelievable on the day, I think that's probably my favourite one of the season. Yeah, plus them leaving it basically 30 minutes into the game. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like, the game is... Mo scored the third on, like, I think 36, 38 minutes, and they are streaming out of Old Trafford. By, (laughs) like, five minutes before half-time, there are thousands upon thousands of them outside of Old Trafford already. And in the second half... Because in the first half, we tore them apart. In the second half, we were toying with them. Like, we scored our fifth goal on 50 minutes. Mm. And from then on, it was like a training exercise. We, you felt like we could have scored seven or eight. We were toying with them. A red card and probably served them as well with the pop ball. That's the thing, because it took a lot of the, I suppose, the intensity out of the game. Mm. But, you know, when a team is just ripping you apart... It feels bad when a team is toying with you and taunting you and you're watching it helplessly thinking there's nothing we can do here. They're just so much better, better than us at everything. That, that to me, inflicting that on them, that's a joyful thing. So, yeah, that 5-0. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you got a favourite moment from, well, the whole season, but any of these matches, seeing as how you're speaking about them, or um, is it another moment? 
Favourite moment? I think Everton at home in the uh, in the derby. The Robbo goal. Yeah. Pretty special. Um, just how it came about. The fact that Divock had come on and they were quite confident about getting... Like, there's a, a Twitter account at Pablo again. He makes these brilliant compilation videos and he made one about, um, after that game, about Everton fans and the comments that they'd made leading up to it. Like, they were very confident they were going to get a point. And then you, the game starts and they're shithousing and they're wasting time and they're diving all over the place and Anthony Gordon's acting like a scumbag and, you know, Pickford's doing that stupid thing where he falls on the ball mm. and he does the big wink and a smile. You'd really like to punch him in the face. And then we did punch them in the face because Andy Robertson scored and then Divock scored a few minutes later. And then Ali does the thing where he catches the ball and very comically and deliberately falls forward and lies on it. Um, the the Robbo goal and Ali falling on the ball would be my two favourite moments from the season. Yeah, especially against Pickford, of course. Oh, Castle. and if I get one non-league one, yeah. Is Virgil's penalty. In fact, this would be my number one, would be Virgil's penalty in the League Cup final. Because that is the most alpha thing yeah. you'll ever see in a football pitch. Like, Kepa is stood three quarters of the way across the goal. Like, he could probably touch the post if he leans out his arm. And Virgil just looks at him and think, thinks, well, I'm, I'm putting the ball there. You can be standing there or not. The ball is still going there. And he leathers it past him and then stares at him. And it's the, it's the look back over the shoulder and the stare that just like takes Kepa's soul away. So, yeah, the Virgil penalty would be my moment of the year overall. But in the league, I'll go the two moments against the Ev. Yeah, I like that. I like them pick the, the Virgil ones. Just It's basically bullying. <laughs> just, it, it is. It is basically yeah. tantamount to bullying. It's, it's tremendous. It really was. But we do have to flip these questions on the head as well, dear. The worst match, I'm guessing it's going to be one of the last two. No, do you know, it's not. It's Leicester away. It's Leicester away in the league because they were garbage at the time and they were missing everybody. They had so many players out and yet we went there and managed to lose. Like, they had just lost 6-3 to Man City. In the five games after they played us, they lost to Spurs, drew it home with Brighton. Sorry, I'm 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 wrong. Yeah, then we beat them in the league in the second game. Then they drew at West Ham, and then they lost to Wolves. Before the City game, they'd won one of four, so they win two of eleven. And one of them was against us. The other one's against a really bad Newcastle team. Newcastle were awful at the time, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And you look at their team on the night. Casper uh, Schmeichel. You've got Timothy Castney at right back. Luke Thomas at left back. Amarty and Ndidi are playing centre-back. Amarty is a full-back. Ndidi's a midfielder. Me. In midfield, they've got Hamza Chowdhury, Bubakar Samare, Keenan Dewsbury Hall, and James Madison. It's not a bad midfield, but it's not a good enough midfield to stop us. And then mm-hmm. Vardy and Ianaccio front, but they're missing 
James Justin, Ricardo Pereira, uh, all the centre backs, <laughs> Deonchu and Evans, so that and Fafana, so all of their first choice defenders. Um, indeed, he's missing out of midfield. Helemans is missing out of midfield. They've got no Harvey Barnes. But that's just awful to lose that game. Absolutely awful. Mm. I remember the takeaway from that game is that we got bullied by a stately manner. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like, Brian had his worst game of the season on the day, and there was many bad games, but that was particularly terrible. That's the worst game of the season for me. Does it share your worst moment, or is there anything more specific? No, my worst, my, my worst moment is is the is the the Champions League final, the Vinicius mm-hmm. goal. It has to be the Vinicius goal because it's just it's a collection of errors. Started with Robbo, Luis, and then Trent just not being fully aware of his surroundings, and and the knowledge that when that goal went in, you felt like that was it. But maybe that was just me. But I felt like once that goal went mm-hmm. in, I didn't feel like we were we were getting back into it. Um, that's fifty nine minutes. There's thirty five minutes left, including stoppage time, and I didn't feel like we were getting back into that game. Something was wrong with our team that day, and the, and the crowd as well. To be fair, the, the crowd because of what happened beforehand, and as it turns out, the whole thing is just a massive shit show. But um, yeah, I mean, once once he scored, you just kind of mm-hmm. had that sinking feeling that this, that that was it, and and that's the sort of it was that moment and that defeat that has given us this feeling that our season was disappointing. And I remember doing the raw afterwards with with the lads, and when we'd finished, there was just a whole bunch of people in the Discord chat, and I didn't know what to do with myself because it was still just sort of numb. Mm. And you felt like the whole season had been for nothing. And I just stayed talking to people in the Discord for, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. Gags jumped on at some point from from um, Paris and um, chatted to him and Cam. And I think Harinda was in the room as well. And uh, But yeah, it was just this kind of empty feeling. So all because of Vinicius' goal. Well, we'll get back on to the positive because we don't want to stick on negatives. But player of the year, it, first half of the season, it was literally one of one. But the second half certainly opened it up because some lads played well all season. Some were magnificent. But player of the year, what, what do you reckon? I, I would still go for Mo. I know people will say, well, he had a bad second half of the season. But he, he had a bad second half of the season in terms of goal return. If you look at his actual performance level, and his creative numbers and his off-ball numbers, they're pretty much the same thing he was doing beforehand. Um, I would still go Mo. I, I still think the level he reached in that first half of the season is spectacular. And the only other player I've seen reach that level at Liverpool is Suarez, mm. where you look at him and think, that's the best player in the world. Like, there's nobody better than that guy right now. I don't think he was quite as good as Suarez was in 13-14, but he was absolutely out of his mind. It was incredible to watch. Virgil was great all season. Um, so I think he's worth a mention. I think Ali had a great season. I think Trent had a an almost perfect year. Mm. But towards the end of the season, I did feel like he started to get tired. And some of his crossing wasn't 
and his passing wasn't where we wanted it to be. Though defensively, he was still very good. But I would say Mo. I'd say Mo over Virgil, but Virgil was more consistent. His level just stayed the same. He just eight out of ten the whole way. Whereas with Mo, I think he was probably like a ten for four and a half, five months, mm-hmm. and then like a seven for four and a half, five months. So overall, I'd say he's about an eight point five, which gives him the nod over Virgil. Yeah, and I think you have to remember. Moore was, I think Jota had the goals and stuff like that, but from performance, Moore just carried the attack in the first half. Mm. But Moore and Jota worked really well, because Jota yeah. through the middle, Jota's not a better player than Sadio Mane. Nobody should confuse that. But what Jota is, is he's a better sidekick than Sadio. I was trying to, trying to explain this to somebody on Twitter yesterday, and they just they couldn't wrap their head around what I was trying to say. And maybe it's easier here. Diogo Jota is very happy to be Robin to someone else's Batman. Mm. He's happy to be the sidekick. Sadio isn't the sidekick. Sadio is the guy. Sadio believes he's the best player in the world. And that's fine. That's what's made Sadio so great, is that Sadio believes that every time he steps foot in the field, he's the best player. And Mo believes exactly the same thing. And the reason... Mo and Mane worked so well was because of Bobby as the buffer in the middle. But when Mane moved into that middle role, there was no buffer between Sadio and Mo. And for Sadio to have the success he had in that last run of games, I think it came in a detriment to Mo because I don't think they meshed well. There's a handful of games where it meshed well between them, but otherwise... I just didn't feel like there was any real synergy there. So for me, Mo and Jota is better than Mo and Mane because they both understand their roles and their pecking order Where and there's no conflict. Whereas I think with Mo and Mane, there was conflict. Now, I'm not talking about arguments or not liking each other, any of that nonsense that people tried to peddle for years. I'm just talking about a conflict on the pitch of one-upsmanship, my go, your go, not our go. Whereas with with Sadio, and Mm. even Sadio and Jota, I think had that kind of synergy. Because again, Jota's willing to cede to Sadio, you're the better player, I'm the sidekick here. So yeah, I I do think Mo was the best player across the year. I think Sadio is worth a mention, but I think people are forgetting there was a lot of poor performance in the first half of the season from him. And even when he moved to the number nine position, it wasn't like he was great every game. His hold-up play was poor quite often. His passing was poor quite often. Sadio has a lot of work to do to develop into that number nine position. If that's where he's going to play for Bayern, he may get working hard because um, they're used to a certain level from Lewandowski. It's one thing replacing uh, a finished Firmino. It's a different thing going to replace Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Maybe we'll talk about that at the in the last section. Um, but before we get on to the summer and next season, a lot of podcasts you're on, Dave. Is there one mm. that, well, one you may have listened to as well, but is there anyone that sticks out for you that you've either been involved or listened to? I, I Look, I, I enjoy doing... Raw with Trev and the rotating cast, be it Harry, Mo, Carl, obviously, Jim Boardman, 
yourself when you jump on. Um, I love doing scouted with Carl. I, I, I enjoy that. I, I love talking football with Carl. I love doing old school with gags. Um, so they're the three main ones I do on AI, plus obviously the ones I do by myself. But um, in terms of ones I li- like to listen to, I really enjoy Minefield. I, I think that's just next level stuff. I think those two boys are so good at what they do. Um, obviously, the the lads on Under Pressure are excellent. Um, those podcasts are so well researched and so in depth that there's just nothing like them out there. Um, and I do enjoy listening to Rate Don't Hate sometimes. Purely because it always amuses me how careful some people are. Not everybody, but some people are really careful not to be overly critical when sometimes criticism is just warranted. Take that as a note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming Tadeo. Um, yes, you blame Tadeo. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, let's let's get on to the more fun stuff. I mean, next season, you, you you love the transfer window. You said that on Scouted the other day as well. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the Darwin stuff's developing, so maybe beyond him, it, what what do you expect or hope from this, this window? Well, we need two starters. We need Darwin or, you know, whoever is the Darwin alternative, and we need an upgrade in midfield. Now, that upgrade in midfield could come in the shape of a central midfielder like Chuameni would have been. It could come in the shape of an attacking midfielder if Klopp is ready to commit more freely to the 4-2-3-1. We obviously saw almost all of last season, the shape was 4-2-3-1-4-2-4, regardless of what the TV graphic showed, whether it was Henderson playing as a second number nine or right winger, Harvey Elliott playing as a right winger or Naby playing as a number 10. Whoever that third midfielder was with Fabinho and Thiago, was playing very much in the front four. So, you know, that or the alternative is that we buy a winger and go 4-2-4 or 4-4-2 with Diaz wide left, a right winger, and then move Salah in next to um, next to Darwin or whichever striker. So those, those things need to be addressed. I would say two starters. We've got Carvalho. It looks like Ramsey will arrive. And I mm-hmm. think we need one more body in midfield. I think the midfield cost us the title last season because when you look at our bad performances, there's a common theme. You look at the points we dropped away to West Ham, away to Leicester, uh, at, at Brentford and at home to Brighton. Those are the results that cost us the title. And mm. the midfield was a common issue in those games it was an issue in the Champions League final because we often end up playing with just two midfielders. Mm. And if obviously next season, I think we're probably going to look at Thiago or Naby, but not both of them, Mm. where Klopp wants one of them on the pitch all the time and doesn't risk playing both of them together for whatever reason. So one of them plus Fabinho. So that third midfield spot's got to be upgraded on. And I also think we need to find, like I say, a, a one more body in there, a bit of depth, more of a natural Fabinho replacement, maybe someone who can 
play instead of Fab and also with Fab as more of a dynamic box-to-box player. So someone with a bit of aggression. We're losing Ox in all likelihood. And the one thing Ox gave us in midfield was a bit of explosion. So, you know, getting someone that can be a high-energy ball carrier and also be that sitting midfielder. So Quadio Kone is the, the obvious choice out there. Um, if we could get him and then either that attack-minded midfielder or winger, plus the striker, plus Ramsey, plus Carvalho, that's pretty much the perfect window. That's a 10 out of 10 window. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people say on this series. Now, hopes, expectations. I mean, we kind of have to discuss this with partnership of Man City because they will be the title challenger, obviously. We know what their mm. summer will kind of be like. It's Haaland, Alvarez, and then probably 200 mil worth of fullbacks because that's what they do. Um, but, yeah, what can we do to... It's not. I was going to say bridge the gap, but it's not even the gap. It's just outdo them. Is, is it luck or is it just building on the midfield and hopefully Darwin explodes on the scene if it is him we sign. Yeah, that's basically it. If Darwin lands, then you're looking for him to re- to replace what Mane offered last season in terms of goal threat. Uh, you get a full season of Diaz. Obviously, Diaz and Salah not going to the World Cup. That's a big boost for us. So they get that kind of secondary preseason, as does Andy Robertson, who I think needs a bounce back season next year. Um, for us, we've got... We've got to be more ruthless. We've got to put games to bed. Like, we were ahead twice against Brentford. We were ahead against Brighton when we threw those games away. So being more ruthless, understanding more how to manage games and see things out. We're very good at it, but we just need to get a little bit sharper. Um, But like you said, City City are the, the kind of the elephant in the room. So my expectation for the league next season is the challenge for the league. It's not to win the league because you can't expect to win the league when they're sitting there. And like you said, they could just go and drop 200 million on fullbacks for the fun of it. My hope, my hope is that we win it. My expectation is that we challenge for it Mm -hmm. and that we're within five points of them one way or another. Anything more than that. And I'm, I'm calling that a failure in the league. Um, and then my expectation is that we are one of the final four in the Champions League, that we're in that semi-final stage again. And when you get to that stage, anything can happen. Again, the hope would be to win it. Um, but that, that's got to be where we are. You've got to be challenging for the title and one of the last remaining teams in the Champions League. Anything below that is unacceptable to me. Um, I'm not overly pushed on the domestic cups next season. Mm-hmm. we've won them this season we've seen that while it was great to win them the quadruple might just be something that can't be done it might just be a step too far so maybe just pull back a little bit on that look if if we get the type of summer that we're hoping for then maybe Klopp can have a cup team and a, and a league Champions League team maybe that cup team you know, look something like Kelleher, Ramsey, Matip, Gomez, Costas, Henderson, Naby. New signing. Elias. Bobby. Jota. Carvalho and Jota. Yeah. Something along that line as, as a cup team. 
And then, or, or like you said, yeah, you add, you're, maybe you're adding someone new in there in midfield. Um, and then for the league, you've got, again, let's just say it's it's Ali, Trent, Ibu, Virgil, Robbo, Fabinho, Thiago, Mo, let's just say Dominic Sub- uh, Zaboslai. It, it might not be, it could be somebody else. Um, him as a 10, obviously. And then Diaz one side and, um, or even look, it could be Rafinha on the wing or Nabri on the wing and whoever up front, the Salah and, and Darwin up front with Diaz left. So you go 4 2 4. Nabri, Salah, Na- D- uh, Salah, Darwin, and Diaz is your front four. Um, and if he can do that, then that, that'll leave everybody a little bit fresher. So look, fingers crossed, we get what we need done. But I do think next season, I think, will be a, the, the the way this season ended will be a driving factor for this team. Um, those lads look really devastated coming back off the Champions League final. Then they saw that parade. And I know it's a small thing, but I really do think mm-hmm. that can have a massive effect. They saw how much this team means to the fans. And I think they'll want to repay that next season. And I believe the Champions League final next year is in Istanbul, so it's only right that we go exactly. there and win it. Um, but that is it from Dave. Uh, I'll be back with Carl in a sec. Thank you, Dave, for joining me. No worries. Ba- back in a sec. Hello and welcome to the second half of this one. It's Carl, the other half of the AI lads. How are you doing, Carl? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? I am good. I'm good. So... We do these in, in the same formula. We go through our questions. But, Carl, overall thoughts on the season? Well, I think it's hard to be anything other than positive over what we've seen for the last 10 months or so. I know obviously finished in a little bit more disappointing fashion than we would have hoped for. But to even be in with a shout of what we were on the cusp of deal was pretty spectacular. And, of course, it had loads and loads of memorable moments throughout. And as our very own manager keeps telling us as well, that's part of the thing and that's part of what you've got to enjoy. And it's not just about trophies that you end up with, but everything that we see and do along the way and uh, obviously the people that you do it with as well. Yeah, absolutely. The journey's been such a big part of this season. I mean, the domestic cups, I think everyone kind of didn't expect the success in, but once it got to the final stages, it was... I mean, the semi-final against Man City, such a great performance. Um, League Cup, I can't even remember who we played. It was that long ago. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. But, yeah, I think you're right there. The journey it, it is as important as the final result. And I think that's been a great story of it so far. Um, but in that journey, Carl, have you got a favourite match of the season? Uh, I probably have. I, I've done this in a couple of places as well. And I picked only from matches that I went to. And I think out of those ones, although Liverpool didn't actually win, the, my favourite game for what it was and the atmosphere and everything might have been the away game at Brentford, which was a 3-3. Uh, just a crazy, crazy game. Loads of really good individual performances. A, a few who didn't play quite so well in defence as well. Judging by the scoreline, you can probably see why. But uh, I think a few people like Curtis Jones have put in a really surprisingly good performance that day. He hadn't played too much at the start of the season before that. Brentford, obviously, were pretty new to the Premier League at the time. And their fans were absolutely loving it. And it was a really raucous uh, home crowd. Uh, travel and support responded in a similar sort of way. Really, really good atmosphere. Uh, crazy back and forward game. 
apart from that, for an actual favourite one that we did win, I guess it would be the semi-final against Man City. I just thought we were spectacular mm-hmm. that day. I think that was um, Thiago's probably best performance for us so far. I thought he was immaculate that game and against Man United uh, in the league following that, but particularly that game against against City and on the stage that it was and everything and with the cup final obviously at stake. Uh, that was just a ridiculous performance from Liverpool. The press was incredible, really, really clinical, consistent throughout the game and a couple of different uh, types of performance as well. So aggressive and fast in the first half and then a bit more uh, defensively resilient and good positional play and decent on the ball and all that until the very, very late stages of the second half. Yeah, and it was against an actual football team as opposed to the United one. So That too. Yeah, so it kind of helps with that one. Uh, have you got a favourite moment? I mean, if it's if it's from one of them games or just just a moment in itself, uh, it might be when Quive Callagher scored his penalty. To be fair, I know we still mm. needed another one after that, but it was pretty good uh, seeing him who contributed obviously so much throughout that cup run, and then he got the nod, and people were saying it was a right call or not, and. I mean, most of the players in the team, obviously, you've seen them hit the ball plenty of times, maybe you've taken penalties or even in the warm-up, but Kelleher never had. So it was pretty good to see him score. And then we'd been around the whole team, obviously, and everyone would put it in the back of the net. Um, the fact that he didn't actually need to save it, but then that was our last one to win the cup afterwards was was obviously a, a big positive as well. I don't know that I would have any other standout games for for like that instant moment but I did really love when Bobby Firmino scored his hat-trick against Watford I think mm. he's a, a player pretty much everyone has loved and appreciated and everything that goes right for him is like he's earned that you know anything that he gets in terms of goals or big moments in the team that's kind of feels like payback all the time for all those presses and off the ball runs and leading the line when we didn't have this immaculate forward line all the time and especially with the midfield behind him that he helped out so much it always just feels like a bit of a, a feel-good story so Firmino Hatchick was up there too. I like that one I like that one it's been a weird season for Bobby but he did did have the odd game where he reminded people that what he was he's just a absolute monster for us being the pressing machine and the footballer he was as well, but uh, yeah, I like I like them shots as well. But your favourite mo- match does confirm that you are a jinx, Carl. I'm just saying. Because, <laughs> Thanks a lot. Mate. Yeah, and is the draw that lost us the season that we'll go with there. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, worst match, and you can't pick Brentford. <laughs> right, uh, I mean, I suppose people have probably already picked it, but it's got to be the Champions League final. Yeah, just because of the stage that it was and. How disappointing that second half performance was. You know, we were clearly the better side, and I don't really want to drag everyone down. And I'm sure, like I said, other people have picked that as well anyway. So, no need to go over why, but it just was so far removed from the level that it should have been. And that was the most disappointing thing. It's not even that we lost, to be perfectly honest. It's the way that the way that we didn't go about things that we that we should do and that we already knew we were capable of doing. We had other games earlier on this season which were kind of along the same lines, and it took going in at half-time and probably getting a bit of a, a talking to from Jürgen and uh, Peter Kravietz, if he does indeed speak, um, to, to sort that out. And you come up and, in the second half and you play much, much better, but it was the complete reversal that time. So it was really dis- disappointing at the time and difficult to look past that one. Yeah, and, and all the things surrounding it, I'm sure people will speak oh, about that. Yeah. as well. It just kind of piled on the, the whole crapness of the night, really. Yeah. Um Worst moment is that, is that from the the same game as well? 
probably. I mean, the the Champions League final, like the bits you just mentioned, made it an, an overall event, which was really disappointing. So I suppose if you want a single moment, you probably wouldn't you wouldn't look to Paris because there were so many things all round going on with it. But uh, I suppose Salah's missed penalty against Leicester in a game that we should have won and did not go on to win at all. And I'm definitely putting that one down as the, the one that cost us the league instead of the one no, that you've just tried that's to cheat me. No, nah, that's not my fault. Mate. It's not my it fault. It's not, I'm not taking the fall guy for the entire Premier League season. That's, Unless that's you went to the Leicester game, it's not Moore's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one would be Brighton, I guess, because we were two up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't really happen to us very often that we collapse. But I think probably the, the Leicester one was more frustrating for me because we didn't really look like we were going to do too much apart from that. We don't normally miss penalties as well. So mm. that was a that was a big disappointment for me. I think it, that was the penalty, or was it the Milan one? I think it was the Milan one where it was to take over Jan Mulby's record or something like that. And it was it was, it was a bad time for penalties then. Um, back on to the positive stuff then. Player of the year. There's a time this probably would have been an easy question, but... By the end of the season, there's quite a few you could easily say were in the in the discussion. Yeah, I think at least four, maybe even up to half a dozen you could make a, a good case for. I have gone for Alisson in the end. Ooh. I think that he is one of the ones who, along with a bunch of others, had a really, really high ceiling. But I think he kept his level high throughout the season, probably a little bit more than a few others did. I mean, you can say Salah, for example, is the obvious one, had a a much higher rating than anybody else in, in a couple of matches. But there was also a big drop-off between his best and his least impressive performances, let's say. Whereas Alisson, I think, pretty much throughout the whole season was very, very consistent. You know, eight and nine out of ten. There were a few games when he absolutely won us the points in the league or kept us in it in the Cups, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, games like Crystal Palace away, for example, we ended up, winning that game 3-1, which sounds fairly comfortable, but we could actually have been about 6-2 down if it wasn't for him. He, he had so many games where he came up big, loads and loads of one-on-ones which came at crucial times in the game or you know points where we dominated in matches and hadn't managed to find the breakthrough and he needed to come up big and he did. So I'm going for him on the basis of consistency. I like it. I like it. Goalkeeper union for me. I can always, I can always back Ali. So I like that one. Um... Favorite podcast? Now it doesn't have to be AI. I think Eddie's put there put this in for a free bit of PR. But if there's anything you've liked listening to other than AI, feel free. But favorite podcast you've been involved in or, or, or listened to? I'm going to stick with one that I have been involved in. It is AI here. All right, this we can have the, the free yeah. advertising. Um, I did the uh, the King and AI uh, for the first time this season. Did one with um, Eddie and. Kenny Dalglish earlier in the season, and that was a, obviously a very, very enjoyable experience. So he's a really good talker. He obviously knows his stuff through plenty of leagues. It was always good to get that sort of uh, managerial perspective on decisions, and even like something that I think we spoke about Leighton Clarkson at the time on that podcast and the loan that he had, and uh, Harvey Elliott at Blackburn the season before that kind of thing. It's just nice to get that kind of uh, professional on the ground. Opinion about it, if you like, of, of what's happened previously in his sort of career doing that kind of decision making. So that was a, a really nice one to be involved in. I like it. I like it. I do like. I think I've spoken to Kenny once when I had to record other them. It was really, it was really nice to speak to him, even though it was very briefly. But yeah, even someone who didn't grow up watching him or having him as manager, 
still a special person to speak to. So yeah, I can I can really understand that one. Um, on to the last couple of stuff. I'm taking a look at the summer and, and next season. Carl, I mean, you and Dave, the AI scouted lad. So it's kind of your job to find people for us to talk about transfer wise. But the transfer window stuff seems to be developing. We've obviously got car value already. Nunes stuff's breaking all the time today. But hopes, expectations for the transfer window for you? Central midfield, I think, has got to be top priority. Um, you know, the Darwin Nunez stuff, I think, is is a matter of consequence of Sadio Mane. Obviously, I don't think we would have gone for him or another forward unless we lost one of the big ones and maybe another one after Origi of the, the backups, let's say. So getting in a forward is obviously really important if we do lose, lose Mane because he's been such a big part of the team. But I think overall for the continued regeneration of, of Klopp's side... A sentiment is a must this year. It's got to be the right one for two or three different roles in the side. Um, we've spoken about recently on on the Scouting podcast of the different types of players and the different types of roles that they can cover. I think it's a, a really important one to get right. And obviously, the best thing is that there's loads of optimism or loads of reason for optimism that even if we buy someone a little bit out of the blue or a little bit unexpected, that you can pretty much assume that they're going to be a success because we have such a good hit rate and uh, the last couple, obviously, who have come in, Diaz and Canate, they've just been, I mean, it's short term, obviously, but I think at the moment, if they follow the trajectory they've started with, you can easily make a case for them to suggest they could be right up there with the best that we've done. Yeah, I know you've done the, the, the scouting pod on the midfielders. Any midfielder that you specifically want? People should listen to the podcast. To be perfectly honest, gives one, gives one, gives one of your five because we did. I think you did five each, didn't you? Yeah, we did do five. Uh, I tell you what, I'm not going to say my my favourite one. I'll leave that one on the pod. But one that I I will say is as a knock on effect of Darwin Nunez, and that was that if we bring in a striker, which makes us go to a bit more of a four-two-three-one formation, then I could see the case for someone like Declan Rice coming in. Because there's been loads of talk of him, obviously, and the fact that he's English and has such a high price tag and all the rest of it. And people saying it wouldn't happen. He wouldn't fit. He wouldn't be the right type of forward for us. And I agree with all of that in the way that we play at the moment. But if we were to have a change of system for the most part and go much more to the uh, four attackers, for example, that, we, that we've seen a few times late on in matches, uh, that kind of thing, then I could see the case to be made for it. I don't think that there's... Only Declan Rice, you know, he's the he's the best player in the world and everything that we have to go for him. But just because he's been linked with us and because he is that type of player, I do think it would work. Um, I suppose. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say the other one. No, they'll have to go and listen to the podcast. I'm standing firm on that. Yeah, midfield targets question mark. That is the yeah. podcast over on the check out the AI app and all that jazz. <laughs> There you go. There you go, Eddie. We're doing this. this. All, all the plugs for you. Um, but yeah, do, do listen now if you want more stuff on the transfer window. We're going to record another one today as well. Um, next season, hopes and expectations. Obviously, we had the quadruple was on for, for, for most of the season, um, or certainly the second half of the season. It'd be almost impossible to say, please match that and then actually accomplish it. But what, what do you want? I mean, just Dave there, for example, he said, maybe not go as deep in the domestic cups at the expense of the Premier League and Champions League, but what do you want and what do you expect? Well, I'd, I'd be a little bit different, to be honest. I think that 
part of the reason we were able to keep winning so relentlessly in the league and stay in the, the title hunt. And that was because part of the um, our exploitations of the cup competitions, if you like. I think that we were pretty good with the squad management. I would like to see that continue. I don't expect that we will get to three finals again, for example. It's, it's pretty unlikely that that happens. So I would really like us to defend one of the domestic cups, though, uh, and make it whether whichever one I don't really mind I, I would like to see us win more FA Cups than we have done recently that's for sure but when it gets down to the final weeks of the season if you've got the league and the FA Cup to go for you know, we, we saw this year there can be question marks over who should start or do we have to play the same team three and four and five times in a row at the, the really busiest end I don't think that the Cup competitions did cost us anything to be honest in terms of the league title that was it's really difficult to know, you know, in January when you're playing the third and fourth round, if you're still going to be within one point of the title at the end of the season. It's, it's probably not the case, to be honest. So I think just a continual integration of the players who have been on the verge of the team, people like Jones, Diaz, Camarte, they've all sort of had spells in the side or you know, later on in the season, they've come into the eleven. So keep that going, keep integrating the new signers who do come in during... Um, the summer transfer window and it would be good to win the title again I think it's quite important in fact that we win the title in what we should class as a normal season and I do think that we will do at some point it's just that whether or not Man City uh, spend another 100 million on top of what they might have already spent and that might only Mm -hmm. be one extra player for them judging by what they've done over the last couple of summers it's going to be interesting to see how much Chelsea spend, for example, and mm. who exactly takes the lead on that. So it's a bit difficult to say we should be winning the title when we don't know how much or how aggressively other teams are going to spend. But I think it's fair to say that we will be in the mix for everything again, unless the most absurd injury uh, issues hit. And even then, I would say we're in a better position to deal with it than we were a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And just before we go, do you see any of them other teams making the jump to, towards us in Man City? Not in one season, no. I mean, Chelsea should be able to get pretty close, let's be honest, especially if they do go quite big. But there's a balance to be struck as well between bringing in better players and maintaining that balance of the squad and the uh, togetherness of that group that they have. You know, it, it wouldn't be ideal for them if they go and spend... 250 million on mostly attackers and then you've got people like Mason Mount who have played a really important role in not just the team but also bringing the fans on board and having them really behind what is quite a homegrown team to be honest this season for Chelsea Um, they've obviously got a lot to do in defence because they're going to lose a a bunch of players who are out of contract so they should be able to get pretty close but I did think that they'd be a bit closer this year than they did end up being so I don't think anyone will run Liverpool and City within three or four points yeah, I think everyone expected a much better season from them. But yeah, I agree. I think it'll be us and Man City as the top two in the country again, just hopefully in, in the better order this time. Um, but that is it for this episode. Thank you to Carl and Dave for joining me on this one. It'll be either me or Nina on the next one as well. We're not sure how we're ordering this, but thank you for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. 
Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.